Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi guys, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the podcast. Again this week we're going to be hearing from Carol Neils. As I said, Carol has hijacked the podcast over Christmas and she's out and about in Manchester interviewing the creators of some of the leading charities in the area. This week, Carol is interviewing Judy Vickers and Abby Noonan from LifeShare. Now, this is the oldest charity helping the homeless in Manchester today. They cover a lot of interesting topics here, including the origin and inception of the charity. The property mindset around CSR, which is the corporate social responsibility. And Carol will talk a lot more about what corporate social responsibility means and how property investors can work with charities to end the housing crisis. So make sure you stick around till the end as there'll be lots of useful tips and tricks to pick up. I'm not going to spoil anything else. So without further ado, let's hand over to Carol, Judy and Abby. And I'll see you next week. Hello, uh, welcome back to another progressive video. I'm Carol Meals from Clearwater Property Partners and today I'm here with LifeShare, Judy and Abby and we're going to talk about their charity and the way that they operate in Greater Manchester. They're actually one of the oldest charities around. So if you want to know more about social housing, supported living, I recently did a podcast with Kevin McDonald and you can find the information about all of that on the link below this video. Ladies, it's wonderful to be here with you today. So, Abby, your marketing director. Yeah, marketing and digital manager, yeah. Yeah. And Judy, Operations you are manager. just the longest serving, <laughs> most amazing person um, here at LifeShare. So, could I ask both of you just to give a bit of an intro as to what you do here, um, why you do it, and how the charity operates in and around Manchester? Um, highlighting some of the challenges that you've experienced over the last five years because I know that as a charity you've been moved from pillar to post and yet you still continue to serve the community and do the most amazing job. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start and then you yeah. jump in. Mm -hmm. She's better at that. But um, we started as a charity in 1984. We're the oldest homeless charity in Manchester, 40 years in 2024. And we started as a soup van going around Chinatown in the gay village. We've adapted our support since then. So we are the first people to bring uh, clients indoors for meal service. We're the first to have a needle exchange on our vans. We're the first bond scheme in Manchester. And a lot of that's based on taking on the feedback of the people we support mm -hmm. and seeing what services they need and what would be beneficial to them. And that's taken us up to present day where we have a three times a week we serve hot breakfast for us sleepers. So from 7 to 9 a.m. a hot full English breakfast. Um, and then also we offer showers and a clothing bank. On Fridays we also have a little additional offer from 9 to 11 as part of uh, respite, helping people sort of relax from the survival mode and perhaps even they might just sit and read the paper, have a cup of tea. Sometimes if support services come in, whether it be drug and alcohol services, accommodation, might be a barber, might be an eye doctor, whatever we can get to try and keep providing those. We also have a digital inclusion initiative, which was Judy's brainchild, but basically a lot of the support services that our clients were using were going online, coming from about benefits from 2016. And so we formed this digital collective to help bridge the divide between those who do and don't have access to data. So we give out 
devices, we refurbish them and give them back out. We also give out data packages and SIMs, and we have digital skills workshops. So we try both one-to-one -one and a group sessions to help people get digital skills, and then they can access support independently, whether it be benefits mm -hmm. or things like this. Where did you do all that from? From right here in our office in Northern Quarter in Manchester. Wow. So, mm -hmm. yes, we host the breakfast uh, at the Mosaic Wellbeing Hub, which is on Dale Street, which is yeah. about a six-minute walk from here. So you used to do all this from one building, didn't you? Yeah. You used to have a big building, yeah. and everybody used to be able to come there and access absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. So has that made it quite challenging for you to provide the services on the same way that you used to? Um, a little bit, yes, but, um, you know, and then we're losing this building again now as well. So it has just been, the past few years, it's just a constant challenge for us, really, to be able to get one place where we can do all our services. Why from. did you lose your building? Um, bought to a, a property okay. investor and uh, they're going up 20 storeys plus. But they didn't so, provide you with an alternative space for you to move into? No. Okay. No, and very little sport to find one. So we've been trying and trying. Um, and everywhere that we go in the city is just way out of our price range. Or if once we mention we want young people to come in and have one-to-one -one appointments, um, life skill lessons and things like that, they, they don't want clients coming in the building. So if they'd like us have an office, they don't want clients to come into the building. So you need a completely separate individual building on its own. So like things I buy, um, because I do 70% of my business is social impact investing mm -hmm. and 30% is private rented sector. Um, so I would look for a pub or something yeah. like that for somebody like you, where you could convert the whole of the ground floor yeah. and use that for your walking services and your provisions. And then upstairs you might use for your offices and your um, food services. Yeah, and showers. And, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, Separate entrances as well. And that makes sure, you know, that you have the drop-in space. And then if people go upstairs for one-to-one -one appointments, if they're, you know, they need to have private conversations because they're going through a lot mm -hmm. then they can have those their dignity and privacy is respected as well as having mm -hmm. say a cooking class going on or a lunch service or whatever it might be really having that space that functions for all of those things and can be helped inform sort of community there as well yeah. they feel like they can always come to that whether it's for the drop-in you've been to a bunch of drop-ins and then when you are in crisis you know you're in a safe place when you get there yeah mm -hmm. so it helps sort of emotional side to it as well. Yeah, and, and it's all about teaching life skills as well to young people and because education and employment is the way out of homelessness. So it's not just about feeding somebody, it's about educating and offering those skills that they can learn. And that was part of the, the MDC. I mean, it just takes, you know, cleaning devices, giving people devices, because for us, data, data poverty is up there like food and fuel poverty. Right. Because if you've not got your data now, you could be in work, you need to do a universal credit journal. If you've not got well, Wi Fi and you've not had advice to do that, then you're going to end up. So you get sanctions. Sanctions and it becomes again. a spiral. So we want to sort of, and we <laughs> we were invited to the House of Lords, so I think they think that we realised what we were actually going to say about data poverty. Because because that is the catalyst for, for everything, really. It's not having your data and you can't bid on a property, you can't register with a doctor. So it's really important, that, that part of it. So um, how can we help with that? How can we as investors help bridge that gap? 
I mean, because, you know, if you think about people going into the property investment sector, mm. some people are only just starting to go into it. They've never bought a property before, mm. but they are community minded. Mm. Um, they don't have loads of money. So how could they help you in just a tiny way? Oh, yeah, well, just in a tiny way, I would say, I mean, even any prime minister could do it. But if you get a new phone and your old phone is still workable, you can donate that to right. us. We can refurbish it. If you're getting a new laptop, you can do that. Things like that, they are small to you, but for someone else, that phone is a lifeline. Mm. So even if it's just you're at the start of your journey, you don't have, you know, millions to invest, but you do mm. probably get a new phone every couple of years and you do need new technology. And then as you start on the property ladder, maybe when your tenants move out, you can, you know, put information there to say, oh, okay, if you're leaving, but you want to leave any old laptops or old phones that you might have sitting in a drawer because you've been there for a while. Mm. I mean, we could leave me a winter coat as well, but things like that. You can help people become aware of that and take, you know, one property or no property and still make a difference. Mm -hmm. So if we look at that in its entirety, what do you think that would save the taxpayer over the course of a year? Because if people, mm -hmm. you say, you know, they don't have data access, yeah. so they can't, they can't access any of the systems, yeah. any of the services, any of the facilities, they can't get a home, mm. they can't get a job. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that landlords could put in within the HMOs if they offer the tenants as well, a Wi-Fi within in, in the HMO that is that then then they can then keep up with those journals. But I mean, as for social costs, it's less going to the landfills. So you're within your carbon zero initiatives for various uh, councils and places, you can show that, you know, you're meeting your goals on that um, and that you're making sure that your tenants have the capacity to keep updated with their UC journals if they're working or if they're not working, doing it that way. Which so, benefits the landlord as well because as, if your tenant get make sure they're on top of their universal credit and on top of their housing benefit and things like that, then you're the not likely to have get rent paid. Yeah. So having that extra... It pays back in a few different ways. Obviously, there's a certain amount of, okay, if you're connecting with support services, then you can pay those things. But even stuff like Healthy Start vouchers are online now, and they're mm. not a huge amount every week, but they're there, and they keep people from sliding off just that little bit. Some people are so close to the edge right now mm. that you know an extra £20 a month for a data package would make the difference in whether or not they can cover their rent. So trying to find ways to make sure people access that there are support things like social terrorists and stuff like that. You have to find them online. Mm -hmm. So getting people online, you see the benefits right away, but then you see the benefits long term because they have those digital skills and then they can mm -hmm. upskill, they can get new jobs, they can, you know, if the rent increases, they might be able to pay for it so they get a better job, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So how can we, I mean, I got involved with you through a friend of mine originally. Um, mm -hmm. I met Amy, what, 10, 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, most of the people I know and work with are people I gel with, I like. And I mean, I think what you guys do is completely amazing. Um, so not everybody wants to be as involved as I do. Mm -hmm. And not everybody wants to have that relationship. What a lot of people want to do is they've got really busy lives. They don't live anywhere near here, but they want to give back in a, in a, a specific way. Um, be that donations, be that buying property, whatever it might be. But how can we help people with their mindset? You know, what what helps a company get involved with a charity? What are the benefits to a company long term 
Oh, yeah, definitely. There are so many. So we've really found that people who have a charity or cause that they work with long term, as you say, it allows you to help where you can help. So a great example of that is one of our construction partners was Vinci Construction. And they had a site that came up at New Victoria three years ago. And so they got in touch. Uh, Judy had worked with one of their uh, big cheeses, Tony, and he had been uh, keen to have us as one of their selected charities. We worked with them a bit over the first sort of eight months. They did an Easter chocolate appeal. They'd done a few things with us. All of it sort of more standard stuff. And then when we came to time to plan our Christmas project, we had lost our site. We were asking for quotes for pricing and people didn't want all of our clients coming in. They didn't want to say, oh, 60 homes people are going to come sit for the day. We mentioned it. We said, do you know of anywhere? Because you know things about property. We were just shooting in the dark. And then Judy came to them at uh, one of our partners that was hosting an event and said, I don't have any of her Christmas. What can you do? And one of their teams said, hold on, what do you, like, tell me about what you need. And we needed a big open canteen space, we need an outside kitchen, we needed showers, mm -hmm. we need a few private rooms. We thought, well, that's, our site cabins have that. Our welfare cabins are that. So mm -hmm. then he went back to his team, got the approval, came back to Judy. She got the, our board of trustees on, on board with that. Mm -hmm. But then instead of having that site be closed over the holiday period, it was open. We fed close to 5,000 people. We, 5,000 meals rather. But all of that relationship wouldn't have worked if they hadn't had that conversation. And now, sometimes they tell us, no, we've worked with them for years. Sometimes they're like, we can't help with that. But because they were willing to discuss what the general needs were, then they could say, this is the project that we can make an impact on. And we hosted the project there for two years. Two years. Yeah, and I, I was fortunate enough to work in it for the last two years. Yeah. And having seen it for myself operate, it was like clockwork. Yeah. It was easy. And because I, I think one of the things that a lot of developers might be worried about is the safety and theft. Yeah. But Nothing. having seen that in operation, mm. it was amazing. We just had the yeah. um, fences up along the side. Yeah. They came in one way, went out the other way. And I mean, it worked like yeah. we had no trouble. None at all. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. And I think that a lot of construction companies would think that would be difficult, but knowing that they could do it, they could then come to you, talk about it, see how they could work it. Vinci, yeah. I presume, would be open to oh absolutely yeah. i mean we've done all the i mean the first year as you can imagine the i's and t's for the insurers yeah. because it's never been done yeah so it took quite a while just to get those because i mm. wanted a, a doggy well-being yeah. hub why do you want a dog show will, will there be dangerous dogs will they be muzzled so after lots of very silly questions to in and fro in and we'd seal that the first year yeah. the second year the insurance was easier to do yeah but it, um and we have that sort of um the blueprint the blueprint like now for a better word so you could help we, other charities as well absolutely roll that kind of thing out it, over the holiday it's periods. worldwide yeah it's worldwide if you look at every city in every country it has 
somewhere I'll have the cabins like those yeah. three, three tier cabins and that has the potential to open its doors because most most sites close from the 23rd of December yeah. and don't open back so yeah we do have like the blueprint of how that could do and that's helped Vinci as well it in its award after an award for its community yeah. service the, the British Construction Industry Awards they won the best community service initiative in the country right I got to go to London it was yeah. the fanciest event I've ever been to in my life yeah <laughs> I was like I work for a Tiny homelessness charity. We're Battersea Power Station. They pipped. It oh. was amazing. It was so. It was mind blowing and having all of those people who work in across the construction industry, different supply chain and investment capacities, all of them seeing that type of project. Mm. I thought that was really cool because then maybe that'll give them the idea to do something similar. But Vinci, even they've won. Like their considerate contractor scores were amazing because they had the extra. They got an extra two points. points for, I mean, I, I, for yeah. them. They do it, I think, because they want to. Yeah. But yeah. if a company's never done it before and they, because they can't see the benefit in it, mm. we can see by them doing it what the benefit oh, yeah. to them is. Because to me, it's like the community then favours them more, industry yeah. then favours them more. They get better contracts mm. because they have a social awareness. Yeah. yeah. So the the giving back. Comes back oh, it comes oh, on about then. tenfold. Yeah, and um, we we are looking for a construction partner for twenty four. So yeah, if anybody's watching this and you fancy speaking to us, please get in touch. Yeah, I think the other benefit as well that might be another. I don't know if it's quite monetary, but I think it ended up being for them. Is that site had a really good cohesion amongst the teams and having a unified charity initiative that gave them. They were volunteering. They were talking mm. to the canteen. They were doing all of this, and that built finished months and months ahead of time because they worked really well together. I'm not discounting the fact that they're all really good at their jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's important. But I think having that extra way for the team to bond and work together and have those goals, the people who all volunteered, a bunch of them are coming back this year even though we're not on their site. Yeah. They built that relationship with the site team and the community and that made it a better place to work, which I think would make it, you know, more efficient. Yeah. People want to show up in the morning, they're keen to get there, they're keen to do things. So yeah. You know, th there's benefits that you can't quantify, yeah. but having everyone on site get along and be excited to be there every morning, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, no, not at all. And like... the, lad, the lads as well, when they're going to uh, the canteen, the lads going by and the dinner, uh, buy an extra Mars bar or a Twix bar. Which was nice. for our project. Yeah. They bring the hoodies in and the trackies yeah. in as a bin with live share. So everybody got involved. Yeah, they did. It really, was, really good for the local community. Oh, amazing. Really, really good. And I think it's good as well if you have your pat if you're going after not at the same people do it for that, but say you were going after planning permission for a site. If you've already got your agreement with your local charity, you know, it might not be us, but a charity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you've already got these plans, then I think that looks more favourable for you on the planning permission for right off from the start. Because you're community centred already. Already. You're I mean showing like, that. what do you think? the feeling is in government about community-focused projects because, you know, it's really, really hard for people to get money. There are so many homeless people today. Um, there's a very negative attitude, even still today, about people who are homeless, which for me is a travesty mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm very involved in social impact investing because of things that have happened to me in my life. Mm -hmm. And I happen to be very lucky mm -hmm. that... I didn't end up on the street, but I jolly well could. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just goes like that. Mm -hmm. So it focused me a lot more on doing things that mean something. And I also think that as you get older, mm -hmm. 
you're more inclined to want to do things that are more meaningful and help people. But I still find that there's a lot of prejudice. Oh, yeah. We, we need to step away from demonising people from being homeless when in reality everybody's two check paychecks away yeah. from being homeless. <laughs> really, the way. <laughs> so the support you get from central government, in my understanding, is quite limited. So how can we as investors bridge that gap? Because at the end of the day, no matter which way you look at it, money comes from a taxpayer. Mm -hmm. So whether it comes from you paying tax to government and then government reallocating the money or us helping directly, which then takes people off the streets, which then takes away the temporary accommodation, which then saves money. I mean, you know, I worked out the, the bed nights I've done personally come to something like 255,000 bed nights. Mm -hmm. And then if you turn that into money, it's millions. Yeah. And I'm just one person. And I haven't done like the most amazing things, but... If everybody did one house at a time, or one building at a time, or one computer at a time, mm -hmm. then... It stacks up. Yeah. yeah, and how... Because I just think, how do governments support you? What do they do in order to make a difference? Well, I think things like that, a good thing is when they are looking at contracts and planning permission to make sure there are requirements in most cities in the UK now to have certain community initiatives or uh, sustainability initiatives with built make sure that you're looking at that and making sure that they have really good plans in place is an easy way they need to review everyone's application anyway take a look see who is involved in your community it, it shouldn't be about who you know it should be about the project that you are delivering so if someone says look we already have this charity partnership set sometimes some local governments are really good at it already but the, the rest of them can say oh okay well, these people say we're going to, you know, collect some stuff. Nebulous. Or these yeah. people say we've spoken to these local charities that are causes that our team support. We've engineered these volunteering days. We have a, a strategy for that. Mm -hmm. That's a really good way to, they win, because they're getting people who care about the community. And yeah. then charities win and the companies win mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. so would you say that... Because um, people don't know how to get involved in social housing and so forth. But if if people follow their passion, um, and if they get involved in something that they like, and then that then evolves into the local community, when they're then looking to do developments, as you have just said, mm -hmm. people are going to look more favourably on that. Yes, so what would you say that the government could change? What processes could they put in place that you think would filter down and affect people like yourselves? Oh, that's a good question. Can you, whilst you're thinking that, I'm going to change your battery quickly. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> so you have a couple minutes to think. Absolutely. So what I'm looking yeah, for you looking to say is that um, the process that they could change, whatever it's going to be, where it would save money for the taxpayer because I want to harp on about the yeah. taxpayer's yeah. money because people seem to not be able to understand that every penny that comes from central government is, is taxpayers. taxpayers' money. Yeah. So how can we use our money more effectively? Um, and what what we want to change here, the process to be placed, is that um, if you do work with a local charity, for governments to recognise the contribution that you're making to the local community mm -hmm. and then you can work more favourable with them on bigger projects. Yeah, because to incentivise people to do that. Yeah, 
the incentivization yeah mm. whether that's be you get a point system yeah or uh, it's a point system or you know something like the renewal process you show on this so you're just you know category a b c because you fit like a b corp status you have to do all these check boxes to do it a similar thing perfect yeah that's yeah. a perfect answer so and i also think without sort of naming that i could say i you know sort of also, except instead for your next build, so we'd worked with uh, a property company who were building um, a bank, uh, a bank's a head office. I don't really want to say it was Angel Square, but so if I if I can just say it was it was Bam, not Vinci, but Tony Grimm was, was the big chief. Yeah, they were building but, a corporate headquarters. Yes, corporate. That's what I was looking for corporate headquarters. So then they worked with LifeShare. And we brought young people onto the site, they learned skills, and then the next site that they were then going to build, they won that contract for the city training ground and took the young people with them. So I think where they looked on more favourably because they did the work programme with, with ours and we took people from the streets, we upskilled them and trained them, um, and there's electricians now and... So the government so, could put programs like that in that place, place. Through, so you could talk about that, that maybe, yeah, so if I say how can the government make change, what new processes could be put in place to change the current situation we're in with homelessness yeah. and lack of accommodation, um, well homelessness support and lack of accommodation, and you could talk about that as an example of how that upskilled the workers mm. and if those programs were in place universally where it gave companies leverage points um well, we accreditation well we won an award we worked with yeah, prince charles then yeah you did. Uh, a community award on that uh, because that we did take those young people so can we talk, should we have to talk about that or is it too yeah. long so let, let's go and talk about that i want us um we're nearly at the end then yeah. yeah i want us to bring back to um just because i feel like we've jumped over the topic about what kind of properties mm. would benefit we you gonna, specifically because we were going to talk i was going to do that as like bring a that wrap yeah, so like, well, let's talk. Well, so we'll, if we can finish up being like, that would be the ideal world solution situation, but what's in the practical world right now? What kind of properties work for you? Because I remember when we were chatting on the video chat, yeah. we were doing, we were talking about the chippies, the food stores. Those are still usable for you guys for charity work to do in the flats above. No, they're not good though, because we can't get mortgages on them. It's very hard to get mortgages for properties that are next to and over food businesses for, yeah but that's because people don't want to live there no it's because the mortgage companies don't want to give you lend you the money because there's more of a danger of a fire or a flood or a break-in they just they don't want to do it it's really difficult you have to pay a load more to get that kind of building that's why i buy buildings that are on their own because if they're on their own of no neighbors yeah and I'd no shit, right. no hassle from people. <laughs> no, first, but, but, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So that's, well, let's, that's let's why, more, that's, I, I saw the sentence and I... Yeah, it's just because we're trying to figure out like, we, how to give somebody a visual thing that they can, I they know, can relate that's, to. We can, yeah, but that's why I, gave, was, I brought in the Vinci but, thing um, into the yeah, last yeah, bit. Yeah. But that's, the Da Vinci thing is a very big... It is massive. It's massive. So we need to bring it in for people who are coming into this as new people entering and trying to be socially minded in a beginning portfolio what is a tangible that yeah but we do? did talk about people who've only just started in property yeah but that was could... that was a tangible what can you donate to this not what kind of properties can you gain yeah, but to our, our next one is um 
how the landlords can approach and work with charities and then we can lead Bring into that. that. Into, yeah. What about on that one, how could landlords work with um, That they could work, work with the charity by investing maybe in a support worker from the charity to work on resettlement with their tenants. Yeah. So something like that. Yeah. That yeah. way that, that helps their tenants set, settle in, they set up everything and they've got that relationship with the... You don't have to drop so far, so you can have support workers. From a local that. charity. So... We got social housing, which obviously is where they get the universal credit, the mm-hmm. local housing authority rates, and then we got the supported living. Yeah, I'm not yeah. supported, you're correct. Absolutely. But also, even yeah. for social housing, you're moving out of supported accommodation into your first mm-hmm. independent tenancy, having a support worker so, help guide yeah, you through that. No, no, we, we did that with uh, Healthy yeah. Areas, because yeah. we mm-hmm. talked about the transition from the big building, mm-hmm. where there's 21 of them in the big building, yeah. giving everything, um, to then going into an HMO. Yeah. to then going into their own individual units. Right. So we went from the... Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, because when they get to their own individual units, um, it's harder because you can still be on licence in the HMO yeah. when they get to the houses they're on ASTs. Mm-hmm. And so when you get onto the AST, you've got people going, we all fucking want those homeless people then. And you just think... Well, hello, I had a doctor who paid for one month and then it paid for the other 11 months and then it trashed my house. So, I'm sorry, oh, what's your problem? Yeah, mm. it doesn't matter who you are, you can still skip out and rent. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But exactly. it's a it's a blinking psychological rubbish mm-hmm. because what they don't recognise is that... Um, I mean, there was a great drama series just been on TV called Time where the women were all in prison. Uh, yeah. And what was ironic was that the girl came out of prison and she'd only stolen because she had no money. She had a job, but she couldn't feed her children. So she stole some food. Mm-hmm. She got went to prison for stealing the blinking food. What a waste of taxpayers' money. Yeah. And we just helped support people with the food. Then we don't but this is obviously food. based on true life. Yeah. When she came out, she, the, her boss had given her job away. Um, her children had been taken off her mm-hmm. and she had nowhere to live. So they sent Give her with a tent. Yeah, yep. a tent. the irony. The irony. You couldn't afford yeah. to pay for food tonight, living on the Yeah, but then the government had said they want to get rid of all the tents on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, oh my goodness gracious me, this the timing of this is so perfect. Perfect, oh. yeah. Yeah. He's given tents to strangers. I know, I remember. Um so okay. So yeah. So so I mean, been about the are you going to do that and then you chip in with a bit about the, the, example, from the, the example from back? Yeah. yeah? Yeah. So, Abby, how do you think that the government could change the processes and um, help you to change how homelessness is perceived, how we can put things in place that would save the taxpayer money, what could be implemented by the government that could filter down into charities, um, housing associations that would make the biggest change? Well, I think a really good idea would be, I don't, I don't know the mechanism, it could be like a point system or a rating for like how B Corps are, but incentivize people to give back to their community. And then if there's a point system, like how we do consider contractor scores or things like this, then when you've already shown that you do that work, when you've already shown that you engage, then the next time you apply for permission or the next job that you bid on, you're already seen as that step above. They know that you're going to do that. They know that you complete that work. You evidenced it. And then it rewards the people who are doing that. And then they 
want to engage more, if they're seeing good results from it, those people mm-hmm. will continue. And then new people who come onto the scene will say, oh, this is the right way to do it. This is standard practice. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of more blueprint for newer people to keep doing things like that, to keep having those programs. And even if it's bigger companies have things on a large scale and smaller operations can do things, you know, yeah. piecemeal, it's still all would filter back in. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's a great example. Have you just recently... Um, didn't you work with somebody? Yeah, who... I mean, I mean, they were they were tasked initially on the first. They were building the HQ, and they were tasked. They had to have so many percentage from the local area. They had to have work with the local charity. Da da da. So that was us. We then designed a real work program so that we could then bring our young people. Obviously, there was criteria. You know, they had to be free from substances and various others. But when that young person was ready, we could refer them to work on that site. Um, and then what was really, really successful, the HQ got built. And when the planning permission for the second build, which was very large training ground for a very prestigious uh, football club, they won that contract wow. because of the work that, that we they'd done on the HQ. So that genuinely counted that towards... genuinely. And the three young people that had worked on the HQ then went over and worked on the training centre and ended up fully qualified electricians. Yeah, and they were in a doorway in the front of the Manchester News being, wow. being the most, you know... So have you so, ever talked to government about this kind of thing? I mean, yeah, is it some... No, we, ha- we, we haven't, but that is a thing that government could perhaps do and investing more into apprenticeships for the young people. But I think for companies and property people building are saying that a part of my workforce is I'm going to work with the local charity to bring those those young people through, or, yeah. you know, then that'd be amazing. But no, we haven't actually got... And the same thing in terms of talking about like money and financial implications. If you take someone who doesn't have a qualification, who doesn't have a place to live who needs all the support service and you train them up into a field where they're well qualified, they have employment prospects, like we will need electricians yeah. in perpetuity, We're, then they're yeah. no longer, people say things like a drain on taxpayer resources, yeah. well, you're solving that problem. Yeah. You know, all the money comes from a taxpayer at some point, some but point does, if yeah. this person, through those programs, then, then you know, becomes, them they're not offending, they have these skills, they don't end up you know, it fixes their specific situation, mm. fixes, it remedies some of it, but then the benefits long-term in terms of, you know, support services that aren't needed, criminal justice interventions, yeah. uh, substance misuse interventions, even if someone was involved in crime, there's all costs to people from that that we're not incurring mm. because mm. they've been given this chance to take on long-term sustainable meaningful employment. So if we look yeah. at local landlords, for example, mm-hmm. people who are just getting into property, people who are um, maybe doing new builds, mm-hmm. is that something that they could maybe, you know, they could just take one person on to work in their business? Absolutely. How would you support a local investor who was doing a small renovation or a, a small development? How could they work with you to take somebody on? Yeah, again, whether it be working with 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 us in this area or with a like like similar charity in another part of the country, building up that partnership. 
um, and so, so that the charity supports the person who's in the employment role, so with accommodation, with helping with things like that, and then the company are providing the skills, you know, or there's companies uh, like Standing Tall, now Standing Tall work up and down the country, and they're looking for people, they have hosts, so host houses, so they're looking for construction, different people that have to offer people positions, so by working with somebody like Standing Tall, would be really good for an, any company. Yeah, company. Well, up and down the country, but things like Doing that. Doing your research working in your together area as well. If you, one person might not be able to handle, you know, okay, let me start this from scratch, but people who are learning and growing saying, okay, maybe there's a few people, we've gone to these networking events, we would like to do this, maybe I can't, I don't need someone full time, but maybe as a collective, we could work mm -hmm. together and join forces. Number one, it builds great business relationships for you. Yeah. You work with these people, but then you have this great CSR initiative and it's not just down to you. It's okay. We took this person and there's five of us, they do sort of a day a week at each mm -hmm. of the builds and you know, they do the maintenance or they do yeah. X, Y, or Z, whatever needs to be done then it gives you that chance to have a piece of the pie when you're not quite ready, ready for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Or linking up with, um, I mean, we, we, Lysha was uh, quite one of the founders of the Brighter Futures programme for, for young people who've been trafficked um, or been a victim of um, slavery. So by, you know, linking up with the Brighter Futures programme as a construction people, offering a place for somebody who's been adapted in modern day slavery or trafficking, you know, anything like that would give your portfolio a better bit of a, you know. Yeah, so I mean... It'll look better. <laughs> oh, no, I agree 100%. So if, if you were um, a landlord, what you're saying is they should reach out to their local charities yeah. in their community and they should offer to work with them, help them, support them, and then in turn that will then benefit their business long term. Absolutely. I mean, people don't have a lot of time, but there are, from what you've told us, there are a myriad of ways that yeah. they can help and support mm. and they can benefit you, they can benefit the taxpayer, and they can benefit their own businesses. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And then long term, um, what do you see long term for life share? What would be your what would be your ideal life share for the next forty years? What was the next forty? Wow, one stop shop building, skyway uh, building. So we, right now, the building we're sitting in today has been sold. Yeah, and we need to leave this again. Yeah. Again, you know, and this is happen. small. I mean, you know, with all the care in the world, it's way too small for you. Well, yeah, we're, we're functioning over two sides. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it would be life share services all into one space. So we'd have our kitchens, our dining areas, our computer drop-in, our uh, drop-in space, offices, and even maybe some accommodation um, above as well. Um, but to have like that independent Shared space, yeah. yeah. So it's not... Oftentimes we get rejected from certain spaces because they don't want our clients coming in. Yeah. Whether it be one-to-one -one support or drop-ins. Mm -hmm. And if we have this space, like Judy says, that we can share that, we have all of it. And then also, it allows us to work together with other community groups because we know we have a space. So if we have a partner who can deliver art therapy or mm -hmm. they, you know, they can second a worker to focus on housing applications, then we know that yeah. they're there and we can have... 
oh, share well, those resources? I mean, the Urban Medical Centre, who's been Dr. O'Shea, was the founder of the homeless um, doctors, oh my goodness, probably 40 years now. Um, they're still looking for space. So sharing with maybe the space with the urban medical team that deliver for the homeless, yeah. you know, so we've got doctor's suite there as well. So the doctor's suite being rented out by them, so there's money coming in from that part separate from uh, primary trust, you know, or sharing it with a different charitable partner. So, you know, we're... Someone we're like a... There's lots of different services, mental health services. So we could look for... Um, because I know that your building's got to be in central Man Manchester. Mm. And that's, on the outside. Yeah, but that's slightly yeah. challenging in yeah. terms of the cost yes. because everything here has just gone through the roof. Absolutely. Yes. But we'd look for a space here. And, and the way that we as investors could do it, we could do it as a collective mm -hmm. um, or we could do it through SAS pension funds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can then buy commercial buildings for you. And then the upper part, which is residential, could then be leased to a different company, mm -hmm. um, and that would be supported financially by yourselves. But yeah, I mean, remember, remember when just after Christmas we were going to look after the space, and Barnabas wanted yeah. some yeah. some accommodation yeah. space. So it would be two separate entrances. Then we got picked on that being yeah. under. But yeah, we have got another long-standing charitable partner who would come with us to provide the accommodation section. We could, yeah. So, so it would it all would, work handy. It all work yeah. handy. And, and that's honestly the best thing for the people that we're supporting as well. People talk about joined-up approaches, but that's what it is. It's having. You don't have to come here for one support and then go to another charity and then go to the city hall and then go to here and here because you're losing people in that travel time when they can come in and they're looked after for their mental health, their physical health, yeah. their, you know, if there's a physical issue like with housing, if there's a substance issue, if there's all of the like past trauma, all of that, if you can address it in one space and build a community, you can come in and you learn mm -hmm. how to cook or we can have, you know, easy home repair things. We talked about people go into long-term accommodation they don't know how to um, perhaps look after a home by themselves for the first time. Do you have courses yes. that, how do you hang curtains? How do you pick what light bulb? Easy things that you say yes. Yeah. But it's not easy if you've never done it before. Yeah. But if you build it into that safe and then those people, they've come there, they've been supported, they've gotten into temporary accommodation, then they get into long-term accommodation. Mm -hmm. They have that safety connection in that space so they know they can ask questions and they can get help and they don't have to wander around. One last mm -hmm. question and then we'll just wrap up. But Because I forgot to mention before, which is something um, we were talking about. I mean, as we all know, there are about seven, 650, 700,000 empty homes in the country, aren't there? Yes. Um, I mean, do you as a charity have any inroads to be able to access any of those empty homes that we as investors could then come and support you with that? I don't think there's anything that exists at the moment. And it's a real shame. And speaking of policy and things that people could do to incentivize yeah. people to not leave homes empty and to say, mm -hmm. okay, this is your, you bought it as an investment property and it's just going to sit. Why don't we get some good out of it and give those property owners the incentive to do it? And if you do it with that, you know, if it comes from a policy level, then they can say, okay, this charity knows they have, they can support five homes. They have the support workers mm. for that. Or this charity. Like in America where you get tax relief for yeah. doing those, yeah, yeah. things. Okay. Yeah, so, so the government should do that. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So... If people wanted to help you, donate to you, support you, how can they do that? What, um, can we put a link on our 
um, video? Can we put a link on my website oh, where people could then um, click on that link yeah. and then they can donate something absolutely. to you? They can offer yeah. their time. Yeah. They can just generally get involved and support absolutely. you. Absolutely. We can absolutely give you links to that in terms of donations, in terms of whether they've been monetary or physical, but also in terms of just getting in touch. We're happy yeah. to share if there's things that we've done that can be replicated elsewhere. That's what it's about. No one person, no one charity can solve yeah, this problem. No. I agree. I agree. And but you're doing an amazing collaboration. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can support you. Hopefully the message that we're delivering out to our investor community um, resonates with some people mm -hmm. and hopefully some good comes from it. So thank you both yeah. so much for giving me this no, time. Thank you. Really yeah, amazing. Really thank you. Thank you so much for watching today. I really hope you've enjoyed um, listening to me talking to Abby and Judy from LifeShare, who are doing the most amazing community service here and have been doing for 40 years and haven't given up yet. What I would really, really love to happen is that we collectively can collaborate and we can find this building for them and then they have a safe space for as long as the charity exists and we can provide the support to the homeless people in Manchester, which in turn makes us feel good and saves huge amounts of money for the taxpayer. So thank you very much indeed. The links are below on the video if you want to get in touch and I look forward to talking to you again. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the content from Carol and that you learned some interesting and informative tips around social housing. Maybe it's helped your mindset or even changed your mindset. Maybe you want to get involved with social housing yourself. If that's the case, I've got something that can help you to do just that. There's a completely free guide. It's in the description. You can go download it right now. It can give you the information that you need to get started on your property journey. Your next property could be the ideal social housing project. So make sure you download that now. It's in the descriptions and I'll see you next week.